It's the lowdown on Sports 1440. I bought that album. It was 1976. I believe it had 50 ways to leave your lover on it. Why do radio hosts mention they're running late? I don't know one listener who cares about this. The boys in the group chat don't talk about the time when Tide went two minutes over a lot of time. Why do you guys say that for? From Lalo. Lalo, I want to tell you that every brand manager and program director in history is applauding your text. I, however, resent you. No, you're right. There's no reason to. But we do it anyway. I don't want to have to tell you my absolutely fantastic story again. Sure glad you're not the GM, Al. Top four, if you were the GM, the top four would be Bear, Bouchard, Jones, and Broberg. Not sure I like your analysis of talent from Randy. Well, I would have Darnell Nurse there, and I would have Matthias Ekholm there, and I would have Evan Bouchard there. Those are all really good, really good players. And I like Cody Cece. I just think you could upgrade there. Oh boy, I got another uh, rap rage text to pass along. But this one was rap positive. Yeah, well, that's why I've got it yeah. coming up. But right now we're joined by our friend Bruce McCurdy. For in the community. In the final days before Christmas, United Sport and Cycle, the last-minute Christmas sale is on now. Say big for the athlete or sports fan on your list. Being informed that Mr. McCurdy isn't here yet. He texted me 10 minutes ago. Maybe he just doesn't like the sound of your ringtone when you call. Oh, wait a minute, Al. It doesn't change. It's his ringtone. Lowdown, by the way, driven by Wolf GMC Buick. Hurley in for GM's Joy to the Ride event. No payments for 90 days on every new in-stock 2023 GMC and Buick. Ask for details, plus get $4,000 in Christmas cash. Nice. Want to wish the best of the season to Doug and to Mary. And let you know that Wolf GMC Buick is on the corner of 184th Street and Stony Plain Road. Al Rusty was the rooster, Giraffe was Jerome. I can't have said that wrong. That would be terrible if I did that. All right, McCurdy has woken from his nap. He joins us now. Bruce, how are you, sir? Uh, well, I was just waking up. I had my phone on uh, silencer again from last night's podcast. So, yes, I'm just kind of waking up. So when you say silencer, it implies that it's loaded. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, I got nothing. Okay. <laughs> so uh, I want to... Like a loaded question. <laughs> um, I want to start here because it's new. Uh, Oilers practice in New Jersey. Connor Brown will appears to be a healthy scratch for tomorrow night against the New Jersey Devils. Uh, obviously, Adam Ernie drawing in. Fogel and Kane will be Drysidle's line mates. And the band is back together on the top line. Your thoughts, Bruce? Yeah, well, the top line was actually absolutely crushing it. I mean, they 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 were outscored though in the previous two games after running like eleven to one streak for uh, during the winning streak, and that was more just a matter of percentages catching up with them than playing badly. But uh, 
Last night they moved the Nuge down to the second line, and he responded by actually playing badly. He had a really bad game for uh, for uh, uh, you know rare exception for him uh, on both special teams and at even strength. Like it was a tough night. Uh, as for Brown, uh, I can't say anything more than he's earned a seat in the press box. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I. Yeah. It, 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 I mean, it's it's not it's not nobody should be you know dancing a jig or anything, but they have Absolutely given not. him all the rope and then some, right? All the rope and then some, and you know he's had. Uh, uh, I mean, he's been on the ice for over four hours this year, and the Oilers have scored three goals during the entire time that he's been out there. He's got a twenty percent goal share, and it's it's been. Uh, uh, you know, according to uh, Zach Lang, he says Connor Brown's 20% goal share is 299th of 300 forwards who played 275 minutes. And according to Evolving Hockey, his uh, wins above replacement is 341st of 343 forwards with similar ice time. I mean, it's just horrendous. It's been an uh, ongoing nightmare from the start of the season. And you keep watching the guy and thinking, well, this is a better player than that, but the results just keep not coming. Yeah. And uh, maybe it's time to watch a game from on high and let Adam Ernie, who's also uh, has a minimum salary cap hit uh, this year, but without any of those pesky bonuses, uh, you know, draw in and get a game. I mean, Ernie's got the best goals against per 60 rate on the team. And he, you know, he's been on for uh, uh, 90 minutes of action only. But in that time, the orders have outscored the opposition four to two. Yes. And for Brown, it's three to twelve. No. I can do math, Bruce. That's not good. <laughs> it's not. It's not. Uh, so I, we've got another uh, 50 minutes in this show. I'm going to turn the floor over to you. Please explain what happened to the special teams in the second period last night. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I was just looking up last year's game at Long Island in which the Oilers outshot New York 49-31. Couldn't muster even one goal in that game. They lost 3-0 on three second-period goals, one shorthanded, one power play, one even strength. Sound familiar? Yes. And the exact same thing basically happened last night, except it was two power play goals and one shorthanded goal. And after the shorthanded goal, uh, they played, I think, under 30 seconds of the power play. And I just wanted to see the entire first unit benched at that moment and then brought back out, you know, for the last 40 seconds or whatever of the power play. Anyway, they did draw the five-on-three, and then they had a five-on-three and generated almost nothing. Yeah. Uh, you know, lost puck battles. Pucks were cleared out of the zone. They passed it out of the zone themselves one time and just looked totally discombobulated bobulated for uh, basically most of that 58 seconds and basically most of that game on either special team. It was just a, a meltdown of epic proportions. And, the, you know, the second period was, uh, uh, you know, it's as poor a special teams effort as I've seen, you know, where both special teams stunk for an extended period of time as uh, I've seen in a long time. Well, and I was worried. I, I said yesterday, my concern was that they they kind of, you know, 
regressed in terms of their structure five on five in the Florida game, and I was concerned if they could get it back. But at five on five, I thought they played well, uh, and the numbers suggest that they played very well, one line through four line. Yeah, I thought the first period was pretty good. Uh, second period, I mean, five on five, other than, you know, taking penalties, but, uh, um, that, you know, that wasn't really the problem. And then the third period, of course, New York was just packing the middle of the ice and saying, come at me, bro, uh, with, uh, uh, you know, with five forwards and that pesky Russian goldhander uh, in the way. And the Oilers were struggling to get pucks through and on the net. And, uh, they got a few from outside, but precious little that was highly dangerous. You mentioned the Russians. Bruce McCurdy, our guest from Cult of Hockey, the Edmonton Journal. What is it with Russian goalies in the orders? Well, what is it with Russian goalies in the NHL? I mean, let's put it that way. I mean, this is three high, high-quality Russian goalies that they've played in a row with Shesterkin still on deck here on the later tomorrow or Friday on the road trip. And, you know, all of them are... are uh, are great goalies to outstanding goalies and uh, with a history of, uh, you know, standing up more than just the Edmonton Oilers, but just to get them all in a row like that. I mean, Vasilevsky was nothing short of fantastic. and They got four goals past him and then the other two, two straight games with just one goal for the Oilers after 15 games in a row with three-plus goals, which is outstanding production. So I guess the offensive side was due for a slump, but... uh, uh, it certainly didn't help that they ran into the you know goalies equality of Bobrovsky and Sorokin uh, after the Vasilevsky uh, performance, and it's just uh, you know I'd say inarguably the Oilers had the second best goaltending on the ice in each of those games, and it wasn't even that the Oilers goaltending was necessarily bad, and, and at least last night it wasn't. But it was, you know, just wasn't as good as what they were facing at the other end of the eight. Do you? They're going to run with uh, Picard uh, to make it so in New Jersey, and then uh, it's going to be uh, Skinner against the Rangers. Do you like that rotation? Well, Pickard actually beat the Devils uh, in Edmonton uh, in, the, in the first matchup between the two teams. He played pretty well in that game. Uh, I think it's necessary in a back-to-back. I mean, the other option really is to run Skinner in three three games in four days, or you have to put Pickard in for for one of them. It makes as much sense to be the New Jersey game against whom he's played well. Uh, and the other, well, I guess, the other choice would be well, go with your number one in the game where you think you have the better chance, so you can get at least two points mm-hmm. out of these games, which. Geez, I'd like to get four points out of these games. You, got, you know, so maybe Pickard or Pickard can uh, repeat his uh, showing against the Devils, and then Skinner can work some magic against the Rangers and Shesterkin. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's a tall order, but uh, they, you know they've uh, backed themselves right back into a corner here, Alan. Bruce McCurdy wanting the entire turkey on Christmas Day, two wins <laughs> in two road games. Um, one zero and one. You know they got to do something more than. Well, you want a Batman out there, do you? Well, I got to start getting some Batmans. Chief, I was looking at the standings here today on the Hockey Reference. They show in regulation. There's uh, there's five teams in the NHL that have over ten uh, overtime games, and, and the Oilers have played in three. So you know, Oilers games are worth less. <laughs> 
in terms of points awarded than, than games involving most other NHL teams. And they they got to do something about that. I hate it, but it's the system, and you got to game it. Bruce McCurdy telling us that Oilers games are worthless. Good job there, Bruce. Worth last two words. <laughs> Well, we'll we'll parse it later. Um, uh-huh. So let's talk about Philip Broberg. I I believe Darren Gregg is reporting. He's a careful reporter. Uh, he has the owners interested in moving Jack Campbell and possibly Broberg being uh, the you know the sweetener uh, in the deal. I hate the idea, Bruce. Oh. I understand they've they've blocked Broberg six ways to Sunday. I get that. I don't understand it, but I get it. I still just on the face of it, we were talking about Evan Bouchard needing playing time not that long ago, and now we're talking Broberg again. We know how Bouchard has progressed. I'm not saying Broberg's going to do the same, but I sure as hell would like to find out while he's still an oiler. Yeah, yeah, that talk scares me as well. You want to talk about one word or two? I'm not sure if Ken Holland in action is uh, better one word or two when you uh, <laughs> You know, so far this year, we haven't seen any kind of moves whatsoever, but I'm scared of the one that might be to come. And I mean, uh, giving up, you know, his prize draft choice to get rid of his prize goalie signing of Jack Campbell strikes me as not a winner. You know, it's, it's, it's cleaning up the mess, maybe to a degree, but that's a high price in the end. It's actually likely to be higher than that. Like Broberg yeah. would be not even necessarily the whole, the whole uh, part of the trade. And you know what? Since he's gone down to Bakersfield, uh, he's plus five in four games. Yeah. And apparently he's playing twenty-five minutes a night. And somehow the team's finding ways to lose. You know, the other night they lost five-two, and he was plus two. And yeah. Explain yeah. that. And yet. Uh, uh, there's an absolute wall between him. We've talked about this at length before, the three-story high brick wall with the barbed wire on top in terms of all the contracts on term and cap hit on left defense. And so maybe they're saying, well, there isn't a way clear for him to play here, so let's cash him in for something. But uh, I'm uh, 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 I'm not thrilled with, uh, with the transactions that uh, the team has pulled off these past couple of years, to say the least, and, and with the obvious exception of the Ekholm uh, deal, which did uh, solidify the top four on defense, but it also put another story in that brick wall. Do you... Um, I remember when one of the most baffling press conferences I've ever seen where Steve Tambellini had traded Andrew Cogliano, uh, and he, he made a point of saying... The key was that they got the second round pick not for the next summer, but for the following one. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember thinking, how is that better? And Cogliano, of course, has only played 3,000 more games since being traded. But I, there's a danger there, Bruce, with, with Broberg specifically because he's, he's Swedish, he's big, he's tall, he's fast, and he plays defense. And he does not have the reps. Once he gets those, I'll be interested in seeing whether he's top four or top six, but I think he's going to play in the NHL. Yeah, he, he's an NHL-caliber player for sure. And, and you know, uh, part of the issue is in Edmonton is that any time something's gone against him, he winds up being benched in press box uh, without really getting much of a, of a um, you know, throw him back out there and, and let him have at her like you've seen with, with other players. And I haven't understand that. I mean, the Cogliano one. I mean, if there's a there's a a peak 
decadent darkness move. It's drafting a guy in the first round, uh, having him come to your team two years later, play four years, 328 games, never missed one, never played a game in the minors, and then trade him for a second-round pick. I mean, explain that to me, uh, and we'll both know. But here come the Oilers, I guess is about the best explanation we got. The, the the other one that I loved with Tambellini was when he was uh, uh, there was a wheat field behind him I swear and he said uh, yeah we're trying to trade Linus Omark but nobody wants him we've even said he could call people if he, if he wanted to <laughs> I'm like way to increase the value on that player sir <laughs> yeah there was a time I thought Linus Omark uh, was basically the same player as Matt Sucarello yeah. Undersized, highly skilled European guy coming over in sort of his early 20s. And there wasn't much to choose between them. Well, there sure is now, but maybe it was because Zuccarello was uh, given the opportunity. And, and, and whereas Omar, I mean, he's been top five in scores in every league that he's played in since. It's just none of them has been the NHL. Right? Yeah. I'm still convinced if he'd come over like the year after he was One drafted. Then he would have been because they just he he arrived in twenty ten eleven. So did Taylor Hall, Magnus Pyarvi, Jordan Everly. I think they all had the all yeah. He was like the fifth winger, new winger. It was craziness. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that was a, that was a a poor decision by him and his agent to not come in 09 for sure. And it, it really it just put him behind a wall of sort of higher profile. I mean, three first round draft picks all came due in twenty ten. Yeah. And so he was uh, uh, he was in a tough spot. But uh, here come the Oilers. McCurdy, thank you. You have a good day. Don't look at the standings anymore. Right. Well, my compliments of the season to you and Declan and to all of the loyal listeners out there. Thanks. Well, and you tell your, your bride uh, Merry Christmas and thanks for that wonderful gift. Will do. Thank you, sir. Here's Bruce McCurdy. Call to pocket the Eminent Journal. Good fella. Good guy. Somebody admonished me the other day for my uh, McCurdy impersonation. Did it privately, which I appreciated. I don't get reprimanded much at this age, but when I do, it's a good one. Now it's all I can do to resist. It's still, you know, the maturity that keeps me, you know, from becoming the person that I could be. If Brown is claimed on waivers, does the bonus go or stay with the orders? Thanks from Romo. He won't be claimed on waivers, and no, it doesn't. I think I think Gregor was the one to explain that, but uh, the Batman point disgusts me. You know what you need to do is you need to buy Bruce McCurdy a coffee because you say disgust. I don't know what it is McCurdy feels about the Batman point, but it's something past disgust. It's um, it's personal, put it that way. This is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. Sports 1440, it's the Lowdown. Powered by Wolf GMC Buick. And Prince, right there. One thing I wanted to mention with regard to the news, that Connor Brown will be healthy scratch tomorrow night. It's another example of what we might not see uh, if Ken Holland weren't the expiring uh, general manager is contract is expiring. Pardon me for wording that so poorly. Um, 
Jack Campbell is in the minors. Connor Brown is being healthy, scratched. Jay Woodcroft fired. Those are moves you made. I'm not suggesting that that Ken Holland, you know, has been um, relieved of his duties and is is not the general manager. I'm saying that these are moves that we might not have seen, good or bad. I don't think the Woodcroft firing was um, a brilliant move. It has worked out well, but it's also a streaky working out well. I think Woodcroft is a good coach, and I think that Chris Knobloch is. But I don't think it's a I don't think it's a home run decision. But it does tell you that the the decision making process for the Edmonton Oilers currently does not run parallel to what you might see from a veteran general manager in terms of decisions, a la Brown, Campbell, Woodcroft. I think I explained that okay. Should healthy scratch McLeod also from Randy. I thought he played pretty well last night. I like his game. I know that people are just mad at everybody pretty much. But I think if you're going to be, if you're going to emerge as a playoff team, Ryan McLeod is important. So playing him is a good idea. How did the Oilers score this sweet schedule 29 games? This is the first back-to-back. Some other teams have played four or five. Later in the year, they play a lot in a short time. LT, will we ever see the old Darnell Nurse again? You know the one who hit Jamie Bren, Ben into his own bench and beat the snot out of Roman Polak from Joe Daddy? We don't get that many Darnell Nurse complaints anymore, uh, certainly since the new coaching staff took over. I mean, I, look, I, I know that, that people just are not Darnell Nurse fans, and I get that. You know, I, I, I understand. I've seen it enough. I, I, I know that people are not enamored of his game for various reasons. But of late, we haven't seen a lot of pushback on, on his game and on his style. You may ask why. Well, the numbers show he's doing pretty well. So... They all are. I mean, really, in the last 11 games, let me let me stretch it out a little more than that. I don't know why I did that. Let's go from the 13th. I think the 13th of November was the beginning of the new coaching staff. So in that time, that's 16 games. Nurse is 55%. Goals, goal share. Dehernay, 53. 52 for Metcomb. Broberg, Kulak, and Bouchard, 50. And then CC, 44%. The difference between Nurse and CC is exclusively Nurse playing little piddly amounts of minutes in various places. But Nurse has played well. He really has. He's played very, very well. Yeah, during during that period. His goals against per 60 is 2.13. That's real good. By the way, um, did you make a mess over there? What happened there? I did, yeah. So yeah. we got a phone call in. <clears throat> Love getting calls onto the uh, 1440 line. Took it. What, uh, what Was it a request of some sort? No, it was just... Um, 
some grievances about Stu Skinner. But as oh. I was in the middle of that phone call, I knocked over the little bit of coffee that I had left. Uh, so I had to unfold I don't actually think I had a chance to say sorry about this goodbye. Uh, I think I just hung up the phone. My bad. Nice, my fault. But I, I had to clean up the mess. So, yeah. Little, so, little blip. So um, I'm going to reveal something on the air now that I did not know, or at least I, maybe I knew, but I did not register in my brain parts until just now. Tell me how many keyboards you have, like typewriter keyboards. Two. There are two over here. They each control two keyboards and four monitors for anyone who's wondering. All right. So the keyboard that is closest to all of our microphones is the Loudmaster 2000. That's the one. So may I ask why you just switch them so the Loudmaster would be over in the quiet area? Well, I'll tell you this one. The loud one is hardwired into our system. It goes into the cord abyss way down there. I'm not messing with that. I'm not going to be the one who unplugs something so and is the reason why. We have engineers. I see them. They're bright-looking people, and they're clearly intelligent. Could they not just do that? Well, the other thing is this one is the, – the other one is wireless, and I don't know if it's compatible with the two monitors that the loud one controls. I'm sure it is, but, well, you know. This is the uh – always done it this way <laughs> a little bit it's yeah, a little it's, bit it's so works so well you know yes well, well i guess there's simply nothing we can do and just we just have to live with it are you the only producer that types like maniacally no i think i think connor types a little maniacally as well so i'm the only on-air guy who makes a big deal about it yeah, I would say. I would say so. But I think, to your credit, I probably do type the loudest with the most aggression, if you will. Is but it because of me? Are you enraged because of me, or is it Mrs. Andrews again? No, I don't know what it is. It's just heavy-handed, maybe. Like, I don't think I do it intentionally, but... Like, because I'll be in here with Connor when he's typing, and I'll listen back to those, and it, it doesn't quite sound the same as me. When you when Big you risk, were maybe. in school, did you, you boxed, right? I didn't box until after school, but okay. yeah. Did you, were you, were you like the hard hitter with your fists? Um, yeah, my hands were okay. Like I wasn't a Deontay Wilder, Ernie Shavers type puncher, but I was more of a finesse guy. I treated Ooh. it more as a sport than a brawl. So nobody called you Frazier? No, I definitely wasn't Fraser. I was like Pernell Whitaker maybe, <laughs> but way worse. If I if I did a call of a fight, mm-hmm. could you tell me what the fight was? Probably, yeah. Really? I think so. Like if I said, well, if it's down goes Fraser, that one's pretty obviously Fraser Foreman in '73. Damn it! Yeah, that's where I was going. Yeah, that's that's too famous. You know what I mean? God. You, you know you, what's amazing to me is I was obsessed with boxing in that moment. My dad oh. loved it. I watched it. And then I've drifted away for lots of reasons, mostly Reg Fleming's brain photos. But you're like a kid, no disrespect, and you love it as much as I did at the same yeah. age. I love the sport of boxing. What can I say? I've done my research. I've watched the old tapes. And you yeah. ag- you admit that there's a science to it. Like, this yes. isn't just hooligans. Oh, 100 It's called the sweet science for a reason. Yes. There's absolutely Thank you. A, a sport and an art form behind I, it. I just... I. I love that you love it, even though I can't love it anymore because I know what it does to people's brains. Yeah, it's tough. It's a tough. It's a listen. 
You just, yeah, it's tough. It's tough. Well, you'll get there. It's just. No, I, I know. I'm well aware. Like, I never want to be the guy who tells young people that they can't enjoy violence because I think that is a part of the psyche. But, you know, I'll tell you something about that. And, and I've thought about that a lot of, and thought a lot about the trauma that you take. And there was a boxer named Terry Norris. He was a guy from the 90s and, you know, end of his life, couldn't speak properly, couldn't move, yeah. like riddled. And he did an interview and he's and the interviewer asked him, would you do it all over again? And he said he would. And he said, I'm going to go down in the history books. Everyone knows my family name. My kids are set up for the rest of their life. I can rest happy. And, you know, of course you talk about all the traumatic brain injuries and it's horrific, but hearing someone who lived it and came out as bad as possible on the other side saying he would do it again does add a little bit of justification to it for me. Well, I remember talking to John Short about this. He lived in Detroit when he was a kid for a time and he went down to the, you know, the, uh, like he'd, he'd be a sparring partner for somebody and he loved really? to box. Oh yeah. Oh wow. John would box. Um, and you know, he, he loved the life. Like he, he, I don't think, I don't know if he ever said it saved him, but the life of the boxing community when he was there, you know, uh, as a kid, he, he loved it, you know? And there is a sort of a, I don't know if it's romantic, but there is a lore or a passion for boxing. If you have it, you have it. If you don't, you don't. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, 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 I'm not going to say more than any sport because that's certainly not true, but it, a lot of histrionics play a, play a part of it. But, you know, it's like I remember, the, the, I remember all of the Rocky films I went to see, and I went to see them with my wife and with other people, and they would say to me, what was the first Rocky was a great film, an all-time great film. But after that, people would say, what was your favorite scene? I go, all the boxing scenes. They were so well filmed. They were, they were exceptionally well filmed. And the violence and the brutality of the sport was right there in front of you, and people loved it. It's like when people say, oh, nobody likes fighting in hockey. That's not true. That is not true. I sat in the rink in Maidstone, Saskatchewan when I was a kid, and nothing got people excited, men, women, and children. 55, 65, 75-year-old women getting up and yelling and screaming. Get him. I'm not saying that's the best part of us. I'm saying that is part of us. It's why Stampede Wrestling succeeded. It's why wrestling does well. It's why MMA does well. You know, I, I remember a famous moment in hockey history. Max Pacioretty driving down the left side. Zdeno Chara leading him into the stanchion, the dumbest part of the rink ever built. And Pacioretty was cold gone and gone for a long time. And that was the famous Jack Edwards call where he, at some point, changed the, the verbal on it. And it came from, it came away instead of Chara causing the injury. Car, all, all Pacioretty had done is do what he wanted to do. And Chara was an innocent victim. And it was, it was among the funniest calls. I, I laughed out loud. But even that, the violence of that, you know, and Pacioretty was hurt badly. You have to make a decision whether that, whether you want to see that. I made the decision not to watch boxing anymore, but I don't begrudge my friend here from watching it. And I love watching it. When I do, it's a guilty pleasure. I haven't watched it in a while, but when I do, I enjoy it thoroughly. Well, th I'm glad I have your blessing that I'm allowed to watch boxing. No, you are because you're younger than me, and I would be mad as hell if I were your age and some old guy who enjoyed the hell out of it 
And and like I when Larry Holmes came along, I remember that very well. I was like, oh my god, yeah. this guy's going to win everything, and he did. Do you remember where where you were when he lost to Tyson? I do not remember mm-hmm. that. But I remember when when Ali lost. Um, who did he? Was it Spinks? Yeah, he did lose to Spinks. He yeah. lost to Burbick as well. That was uh, the one that Spinks, really everyone was like, well, maybe I it's mean, over. What, what, it was like it was bad because everybody was sort of abandoning Ali. They didn't want him to fight anymore. Oh yeah, with reason. His trainers weren't in the. Were, no, like, they wouldn't even yeah. go in. They wouldn't even involve themselves because they knew. You know, it's a heartbreaking story. I loved Ali. I just loved him as a fighter. And I, my favorite fighter in that group was Frazier, but Ali was such a character. He was. I, th- I honestly think Ali reached heights that we'll never see an athlete reach again. In, and I don't think that's hyperbole. No, not at all. In, yeah. in 1975, they did a, I don't know whether it was Time or Newsweek or whatever, most famous person on the planet was Ali. Yeah. And there was a song called uh, Johnny Wakelin and the Kinshasa Band called Black Superman. It was a hit single. And and he was just everywhere and loved. And and um, I don't think we'll see his kind again. And he was so funny. So quick, he was. He was the. He was. He was media savvy squared. He was like you squared. Yes, he was me if I could box. <laughs> <laughs> LT, I love listening to John Short's conversation with Scotty Olson. Great radio. I used to. I was the guy who would escort Scotty Olson to John's studio. That was my job. You know, I mean, that's the worst. You know, <laughs> humble brag ever, but it's true. Where can I purchase Low Tide's book? You can get it pretty much anywhere, any good bookstore. If they're out of it, they'll they'll order it for you. You can also get it at Amazon if you order it. It's online. Uh, I think it's I think it's a little less expensive if you order it from Amazon. Funny that, but yeah, it's it, 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 I, I'm I'm genuine in this. It's a long read, but I love the book. I'm so proud of that book, and I'm proud of the dedication too. I'm glad I did it. Man, am I glad I did it. Okay, do we have another break to take? Yeah, we should probably take a have break been right a little now. all over with that, you know? Today? No, you know what it was? It was Bruce not picking up the phone three times. That's I what know. it was. It, ha- yeah, it wasn't it even us. my fault. It pushed us back a little. So we can take one right now, and then we'll uh, wrap things up and send everyone into Jason, uh, Jason Greger's show. If it's not my fault, then I approve. Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's the Lowdown on Sports 1440, driven by Wolf GMC Buick. Hurry in for GMC's Joy to the Ride event. No payments for 90 days on every new in-stock 2023 GMC and Buick. Ask for details, plus get up to $4,000 in Christmas cash. That's a really great song. What was that? That was Rolling in the Deep by Adele. Damn. She has a great voice. Oh, she is incredible. She's a, she, yeah, she's a modern. She is a modern pop star. What can you say? But just I'm some here to tell you. Voices that are very distinct, and she just she's so powerful in her voice. Man, that's a good song. I'm glad I wrote it. I've been a loyal Oiler fan since their last year in the WHA. I've never been more discouraged as I am today. Cliff from Lloyd. Cliff from Lloyd. I'm going to tell you something. I understand. I'm going to say something now, Cliff from Lloyd, and I'm going to say it because you and I are probably similar in age. 
I was a loyal Oilers fan in the first year of the WHA, so maybe I'm 10 years older. The WHA Oilers weren't that good. No disrespect. Bill Hunter was a mercurial owner. Ray Kanisiewicz would get fired on Saturday night after a loss and then hired Monday. There was a lot of things that occurred. I love the Oilers because they, Bill Hickey was an Oiler. He was a former Oakland SEAL. Uh, Jim Harrison was a player who was a Bruin. I loved him. Al Hamilton was a great, well, I guess New York Ranger, then Buffalo Saber, then Alberta, then Edmonton Oiler. There's a lot to like. Jock Plant played for them. Normie Ullman played for them. Rusty Patton was my favorite player on the Oilers in the WHA. But they weren't a great team. I never was worried that they'd win a bunch of championships. 79 summer was brilliant. Because, you know, when, when Wayne Gretzky arrived in town, John Short met the plane. Eddie Mio said, I paid for the gas fill up or the fuel fill up and it's on my credit card and I don't want my wife to see this. Can we make arrangements so we can pay it now? I don't want her to wake up and scream. And so John Short had to take care of that. He took them all to the hotel. There's a lot of stuff to do. John was the guy. But people didn't wake up the next day and say, behold, the greatest player who ever lived. It took a while. I think McCurdy was the first to declare it, but, you know, it took a while to get there. So we were spoiled. No, no, we were. We were spoiled. Barry Fraser it's in my book. Barry Fraser shopped the world and slayed all the dragons and drafted Kevin Lowe, Glenn Anderson, Mark Messier in year one. And then it was Paul Coffey and Andy Moog. And then it was Grant Fuhrer and Yari Curry was in there. And then it was Essa Tikkanen. And by 83, the world had changed. The Oilers had just drafted beyond anybody's wildest dreams. They signed Charlie Huddy as an undrafted free agent. They're just stunningly good. Like, historically. Like they, like Sam Pollock's Habs, only they weren't cheating. They were just really good. We were spoiled. We just were spoiled. We We didn't know it. I'll tell you a story. So it's 1986. The Oilers have won the Cup in 84 and 85. 86, they don't win. Very famous moment, Steve Smith, Grant Fuhrer. My father-in-law called me. He, Calgary Flame fan. Before that, Detroit Red Wing fan. And he's, he, you know, he's a good man. He's passed, but I love him. Always will. He was a good man. And he said, you know, I'm really sorry, son. I'm sorry that happened. Your team didn't win. And I said, well, you know, they'll get him next year. You know, and I, you know, they won two, and that's pretty cool. And he said, you know, I'm glad. And I said, I laughed, and I said, why? And he said, because you're such a jerk when they win. And I laughed at that, too. But I knew he was right. And I think most Oilers fans in that era were kind of like that. There was an arrogance about the team and about the fan base. 
and it lasted all through the 80s. When Gretzky got traded, I never thought there'd be another Stanley, and there was. So, you know, I I bet I irritated everybody who wasn't an Oilers fan in that decade. But here's the other side of that. I've been paid in full. If the Oilers never win another Stanley Cup in my lifetime, never question whether I as a fan, and I'm less a fan now than I was then, I as a fan have been paid in full. But the reason that I care about this team and their success is because of all the other fans who've read my blog, who I've talked to, have listened to me on the radio, who read my athletic stuff, and they haven't seen it. You know, I got a friend, Dean Belanger, who was a Jets fan, and then the Jets went away and he became an Oilers fan. And now he can't decide what he is, but that's okay. He's a good man. I would like Dean to see a Stanley Cup victory. I I wandered into people's lawns and backyards during one of the Stanley Cup victories. It was like three in the morning, can't remember what time. Just wandering around like an idiot, having fun, little little tipsy. Didn't do anything to get arrested or anything, but I was just it was just a good feeling. I wish that for everybody. I wish that moment for everybody. I hope you get that. It's a great feeling. When the Eagles won a few years ago, I'd forgotten the feeling, but it's really fun. And I, I, like, I really love Oiler fans. I really do. Some of you piss me off, I'll be honest, on the blog. But there's a real passion there. I think Oiler fans are knowledgeable and more passionate than any fan in the, in the National Hockey League and maybe in sport, although Rough Rider fans, not sure about that. But the 80s fans, me, spoiled. We didn't know it at the time. And it wasn't our fault, really. But the way some of us, i.e. me, behaved ourselves, maybe was a little irritating. I hope you get to be irritating, you young fans. I hope you get to be irritating soon. But I understand disillusionment. I understand why this is maddening because it's not going the way Sather would have handled it, except Sather lived in a 21-team NHL league. This is 32. And nobody saw Vegas coming except Gary Bettman. All right. Just so you know, Declan plays that music when he's irritated with me and wants me to leave. This is my way of telling you that. It's sort of my SOS to borrow a line from ABBA. All right. Bag milk tomorrow. We'll be talking about the Bakersfield game tonight and previewing the big game against New Jersey for the Oilers. Jason Greger is on the way next. Thanks so much for tuning into the Lowdown. Please enjoy your day. It's time for an update.